everyone, and welcome back to the Football Trigger podcast. My name is Tom Sterling, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Pierce McLaughlin. Hello, Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing last weekend's English Premier League results, uh, discussing all the latest transfer news, and at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll discuss all uh, of last weekend's English Premier League results. So on Saturday, the 13th of January, the results were Chelsea 1, Fulham 0, Newcastle United 2, Manchester City 3. And then on Sunday, the 14th of January, we had Everton 0, Aston Villa 0, and Manchester United 2, Tottenham Hotspur 2. So there was only four Premier League matches played this weekend. So, Pierce, which one out of them four uh, that stands out to you? Uh, it's got to be the Newcastle 2, Man City 3. Um, thought Man City played brilliantly. At times, dominated for large spells. And then Newcastle, we've mentioned it, um, they're on a sticky running form at the moment in terms of Premier League action. Um, I think they failed to win in the last seven games. Um, but they managed to get a quick fire double to put themselves in the lead at St James's Park. Got the crowd right behind them. Two fantastic goals by Alexander Isaac and Anthony Gordon. Quite similar down the left hand channel, cutting in and bending in the far corner. Um, I think that's something that Ederson lacks in terms of his short stop mobility. Um, obviously we all know how good he is to be the ball at his feet. And obviously we see the the return of the main man that's been out for a long, long time, and that's Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he's just doing what he does best. He just picks out a run at the far post, which catches uh, Kieran Trippier off guard for just a second, and young Oscar Bob um, shows tremendous footwork to go around the goalkeeper, not not just to control the ball, but then to go around, show the composure, turn the goalkeeper on slot at home, and... Um, Thought they thoroughly deserved a win. Um, but it just shows you how how tight this league is. Um, like you say, Newcastle were clinical when they needed to be, but at the fatal moments, split second, switch off, and you would someday the quality of Kevin De Bruyne. Just get that vision, just get the accuracy, and he's got the quality to make that pass. Considering how long he's been out for, um, that'll be vital importance for um Pet Guardiola and they're running for the, the, uh, the Premier League this season because they're not at the top of the league and they're, they're chasing the pack and you expect them with De Bruyne to then build up his mark sharpness to then go on that continued run which he always seems to do with Manchester City after Christmas and you'd, you'd expect them to now be title favourites with Kevin De Bruyne fully fit. Yeah, uh, definitely my standout match from this uh, last weekend uh, was a brilliant match to watch. Um, you know, Newcastle played really well. You know, scored two. I think every goal in that in that match was just brilliant. You know, Ronaldo Silva's first the first goal. Ronaldo Silva's was was brilliant. Um, then the two Newcastle goals with Isaac and Gordon were really good. Um, and then obviously the Bruins at the end as well was was such was was brilliant. Uh, and then Oscar Bob's last minute goal was so well taken. You know, just to spin the ball with his feet just. You know, it was a really, really good goal. Um, but no, that's, I think that was a really big one for Man City um, because, you know, as you said, now that the Bruins back, 
you know, and this is the time of year where they really start kicking in, where like, you know, they, like they're sort of like, you know, they're a bit bored at the start of the season. And then once like January kicks in, like that's when they start really steamrolling a bit. And then they seem to go on this big massive run of wins and end up winning the Premier League at the end of the day. So I think Manchester City, I think we'll start seeing them in the next couple of weeks kind of starting to click into gear. And yeah, definitely for me, when they start playing like that, uh, they're definitely favourites for the title. And they've also got Erin Haaland to come back as well. So um, really good times, I think, for Man City coming up. And then I just want to talk, uh, or just, just briefly mention the Man United-Tottenham match. Uh, you know, I thought that was a really good game as well. Uh, I thought Tottenham deserved to win that. I thought they were really, really good. Uh, you know, created some really good chances. Um, you know, and the fact that, you know, Tottenham were missing lots of key players. So they had no Kulazewski, Madison, Son, uh, you know, Basuma, Papasar, Papisar. Uh, that's five key players I've just mentioned. And, you know, they went to Man United, they went to Old Trafford and they, they played really, really well. Um, you know, it's such a, and again, I say, I think it's, we dedicate this podcast, I think sometimes to Foster Coglu, but like, it's just, it's just such a good, it's just so good to see him at the highest level and everybody realising, you know, how kind of good a manager he is because, you know, his, the way he's got his Tottenham team set up is a really, really, a really exciting to watch and, you know, the Tottenham fans love him. You know, they were singing his name uh, all day on Sunday at Old Trafford. So, um, you know, Tottenham have got, got it really good. And for me, they'll probably finish in the top four. Uh, I think they really will. Um, you know, they've just got it, you know, spot on at the moment. And, uh, you know, just discussing the fact that they've got two transfers and I just want to ask you about that, Pierce. So last week they signed a Genoa, former Genoa defender, Radu de Rosen, and they also signed uh, Timo Werner on loan. So what do you think about the two signings for Tottenham? Well, Timo Werner, um, we know well from his time in Germany with Leipzig. Um, he was electric in his first spell. Then got his big money move to Chelsea, which didn't really quite work out. Um, but he's a player that can play along either flank and through the middle. Um, sometimes he's a bit he's a bit cumbersome at times in terms of his finishing. Like you'll miss easy chances, but he'll score probably every every third game or so. But he's got electrifying pace. He's good at beating a man in. He'll create havoc for defenders because defenders don't want to be running back the way. Um, and I think that's a smart sign. A loan to buy, it's not mandatory. Um, so it's a win-win for Tottenham considering they've now lost Son, who's now in Asian Cup duty. And like you say, Kulisewski injured as well. And you've got Manor Solomon, who's out for a prolonged period of time as well at Tottenham. And then you mentioned uh, Dragason, who, to be honest, I don't know much about him. I've not really seen him play. But the fact is that Bayern Munich wanted to hijack the deal just shows you how much, um, how highly rated he is um, in Genoa or in the top half of the table. So he must be doing something well. Um, and pretty much every signing that Postacoglu's made at Tottenham has worked out well. And you look at, for example, Mickey van den Ven. Um, he's been brilliant. Um, good young player at Wolfsburg comes to Tottenham, he's been he's set the Premier League alight. Um him and Romero have been a formidable partnership. 
and you you can see him and Dragason um now competing for a starting spot in terms of Romero as well, just the three runs taken. And I think he'd probably be a brilliant signing. And also the other one that goes the other way is Eric Dyer to Bayern Munich. Um, I think we've got to touch on that as well. Um, uh, nine years at Tottenham. It's a long, long time for any professional football to stay at a club for that much, that lengthy time. He was very successful in his early years under Pochettino. Um, I think he was a brilliant defender. He can play a variety of positions, I think. It's, a, it's another good signing for Bayern Munich because they can now... Um, Harry Kane's now got his old pal, England teammate, um, helps him settle in a bit more. Um, and obviously for Bayern Munich, they've got a player that can be a squad rotation player in terms of he can play as a holding midfielder or anywhere along the back four in terms of centre-half or a back three, um, whether it be they kind of rotate between formations but I think it's a smart signing not a massive fee helps Harry Kane settle and obviously he's probably traded up in terms of his career wasn't getting a sniff at Tottenham and now he's went to a team that could potentially win the Bundesliga and the Champions League Yeah um, <clears throat> it was so just firstly on uh, Dragosin and Timo Werner so Dragosin uh, same as you, I don't really, t- I don't know too much about him, but what I've heard of him, you know, he, well, he's young for a starting, he's only twenty one, um, you know, he he kind of only started really coming onto the scene, uh, kind of uh, middle of last year, I think, just at the start of this season, you know, where he started really kind of kicking on in his career, uh, you know, he's been he was at Juventus for quite a bit, uh, he didn't play, I only played one game for them, but like obviously he's learned. A lot, obviously, with Benucci there, and I think Chiellini was still there at the time. So obviously, he's learned the, he probably learned the art of defending much more when he was at Juventus, um, and then he's went to Genoa this season. He was on loan at them last season, but he signed permanently this season for them, uh, and I think he, he he started really well, and he I think he's got comparisons to Van Dijk as well. So, um, you know, I think it's quite an exciting signing for Tottenham, and uh, you know, and also Timo Werner as well. You know, I actually think, I actually think it's a good signing because I think the thought, because obviously with Son going away, um, and you know they lost Harry Kane in the summer, that you know they are quite short, uh, going forward, um, and Timo Werner's I think is a really good sign because I think he was available because he wasn't really getting much game time at Leipzig, so the Tottenham recruitment team have re- have realised that he's become available, and I just think he's, I think it's a good signing for Tottenham just because of the style of play, uh, you know. Timo Werner's that player that likes to, he's got good pace, you know, he's quite, he's an, he's an energetic player. And, you know, I think it's a player that Foster Coglu will really enjoy working working with. Uh, you know, he is quite frustrated at times because, you know, he's finishing uh, isn't isn't the best, it's not the top quality. But, uh, you know, he, he started on Sunday against Man United and I thought he played really well. You know, he was involved in the game a lot. You know, he got an assist. Everton second goal, uh, and you know he, he did seem to really. Uh, it's only been one game, but it did really seem to suit the style of play that Tottenham are playing at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I think two good signings, and just also touching on that as well, like the, the fact that Tottenham got these two players in really early, and it's quite similar to Celtic when Postecoglou was at Celtic. You know, Celtic seemed to always get their January transfer business done really early. Uh, so Postecoglou just seems to 
get the get the signings really really early and you know get them bedded in. Uh, so um yeah, two really good signings and then obviously Eric Dyer, who wasn't getting any game time at Tottenham, you know, it was quite obvious he wasn't part of the plans. You know, obviously he's going to Bayern Munich on loan and uh, you know, I think it's a good signing for Bayern Munich because he's experienced, you know, he can play a number of positions as you said. Obviously the hurricane thing is quite I didn't think about that, but that's quite a good example to use the fact that it can help Harry Kane a bit more. Uh, and yeah, I think it's I think it was it's a good sign for Bayern Munich. You know, it's a loan at the moment, but I think it could turn into permanent as well. Uh, so a really good signing for um for Bayern Munich. And you know, in terms of Tottenham, you know, he he had he had a really good career at Tottenham. He played, you know, quite a lot for them. I think he made over two hundred appearances for them. Um so yeah, uh, overall for Tottenham, it's been a really good start to the window. Uh, two players in and you know one player out, so uh, yeah, more keep that keep an eye out for Tottenham uh, in case they might do more business uh, in the next few weeks. Um, so just we'll just briefly move on to not talking transfer news at the moment because there's been a bit of break news today that AS Roma have sacked um Jose Mourinho. Uh, so Mourinho was in charge of Roma for uh, three years. Um, and he leaves Roma, uh, who are sitting in ninth in the table with 29 points. Uh, there are five points um, adrift of the Champions League spots. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's quite a, bit, bit, uh, quite a big breaking news. And uh, obviously Roma, uh, they've actually already got a new manager in. They've appointed uh, legend Daniele De Rossi, who made over 400 appearances for Roma. So he's now their new manager. So, what do you think, Pierce, about Mourinho getting sacked and uh, De Rossi getting appointed? Uh, I think it's a bit of a shocking one, to be honest, um, because of what he's achieved in his short tenure in Roma. And I think the fans adored him. Um, like you say, in his first season, he got Europa Conference League one, Roma's first trophy in 14 years, which is a massive feat. Um, brings that winning mentality back to the club. And then last season, they got them to the Europa League final and were penalties away from winning it against Sevilla. And everyone knows Sevilla is like the serial winners of the Europa League. That's like the only one the Champions League. They just have, they seem to find a way just to always win. And this season, like you say, you, you touched on it, you, they're only five points off of fourth place, which is the Champions League positions. And it is super tight because you look, you look at the table from 59th, so Atlanta, Lazio, Bologna, Napoli and Roma all separated by five points. So it's extremely tight, um, but I think the owners want, don't want them just to be qualifying for the Champions League. They want them to be qualifying and competing for the title. And they don't have the squad. They don't have the investment. And they get Lukaku in loan. But I think like his first season, um, I think they spent close to £100 million. But since then, the last two seasons, he's had to promote so many youth players. And that he's made so many young players with their debut at Roma, I think he's brought through the most players under any manager in Roma's history. Um, and I think that's an incredible achievement, but I don't think that's down to choice. I think that's down to necessity because so many injuries, players aren't performing or the fact is he just has to play the youngsters because he's not getting investment that he needs to try kick on and compete with the likes of Inter Milan, AC Milan, Juventus, Napoli. Uh, to name a few, because they're, they're the four big boys at the moment. And it's pretty hard to compete with Inter, who are running away with the Serie A this season. 
Um, but five points, I think that's pretty pretty achievable to turn it around. And I think as a manager experienced in the quality as um Jose Mourinho, yeah, I think he'd have done it. But to your point, Daniele De Rossi, a man that made over six hundred appearances for Roma Roma, one uh, man claw apart for his wee spell in the uh, Boca Juniors and the end his career. Um it's his first job in management, so it's, it's a risk. So a rookie manager, but he was his second job, sorry, but um I, I don't really know his first spell, but to get a big club like Roma um is a legend, it's pretty hard to live up to obviously legend legendary status as a player. Because we all know players like Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard to name a few, brilliant f- footballers, um, but they're not really necessarily good managers. And obviously Roma now want obviously the owners now want them to turn things around pretty quickly and start picking up wins. So if he doesn't go off to a good start, then who knows what could happen. But the fact is you'll have a familiar face in the building, they'll dem- he'll demand respect right away. Um and that's one thing he will because he is a legend. Um, similar to Francesco Totti, probably two of the most iconic players in recent times. Um, but no probably smart decision bringing him in, but um I, th- I thought they probably should have stuck with Jose Mourinho. Uh, yeah, so um, I- I'll be honest, I'm not that surprised. Uh, I'm not that surprised because I- I- I've got a kind of theory with Jose Mourinho. So I-, I always seem to think when it comes to like the third season in charge of a club, that's when his kind of, I don't know, that's when it kind of starts falling apart a little bit. You know, it happened at Man United. The first two seasons were okay. Then the first season it kind of fell apart and then he got sacked. Same with Tottenham. And you're you know, Tottenham that you know he should never have got sacked in my opinion. But like there seems there seems to be a thing with Mourinho after like the second season, it kind of starts not really going well. And then they they, they don't make the improvements that it kind of should be. You know, I get your points about the fact that he has also won in the conference league. You know, he was just, they were apparently kick away from winning the, the Europa League, but uh I just think you know, where they are on the table, you know, that's not really what Roma want to aspire to. Uh, you know, they haven't played Champions League football yet under Mourinho, uh, you know, and that's what they kind of, they, they don't want to be playing Europa League Conference League, they want to be playing Champions League, but also competing for the title at the same time. So I'm kind of not surprised, to be honest, because I haven't really started well this season as well. Uh, you know, um, you know, the, I, I also get the point about the fact that they don't have a lot of uh, money in terms of other clubs like in Milan, but, you know, they they are quite sitting quite uh, low on the table at the moment, you know, eighth. You know, and, uh, yeah, I'm not that too surprised that uh, with Mourinho, but I, I'm, in terms of him getting our job, I'm sure he'll have tons of offers. I, I, I think he's, I think he even said um, uh, publicly that he'd like, that he definitely sees himself managing in Saudi Arabia. Like he, he he thinks that will happen. So wouldn't be surprised if Saudi Arabia has kind of next uh, management uh, job. And, uh, and then obviously Daniele De Rossi, you know, it's actually his, it's his second manager. So he he was in charge of uh, SPAL. Uh, I think they're a second division, Italian side. It didn't really go well. He was only there for about a few months and then he got sacked. Um, so this is his second job. Um, and my God, what a job it is for him. Uh, you know, he's a total legend of Roma. You know, I think he's born and bred there as well. Um, 
you know, and for him to, you know, manage his, his uh, boyhood club, you know, uh, what a dream for him. Uh, and, you know, it's it's an interesting one with these appointments because I always worry because, like, obviously he's, the fans adore him. And I always worry that in case it doesn't go well, then his reputation gets tarnished and, uh, you know, because of the, the fact that he might not be doing a good job. And I hope that doesn't happen because he's a total legend of Roma. Um, and the fans, you know, they'll definitely just start giving time because of who he is and, you know, the respect that they have for him. So I think they definitely will give him time at the start. And I hope he does really do well, Ed De Rossi, because, um, you know, he's a young manager and also that connection with Roma as well. So, uh, yeah, very interesting appointment. Um, but going back to what the, the original question, I'm not surprised that Mourinho got sacked. Um, you know, they haven't really started well this season, Roma. And um, yeah, uh, we'll see how De Rossi gets on uh, now that he's in charge of um, his boyhood club. Uh, so we'll just move back on to uh, the transfer news. So obviously we're only a week or two into this January transfer window. Uh, there's a couple of bits of news that we can talk about. So obviously uh, we, we found out last week that um, Borussia Dortmund had signed Jaden Sancho on loan from Man United. So uh, Jaden Sancho returns to um, Borussia Dortmund after he left in 2021. Um, so what do you think about that, Pierce? Well, I think it's um, it's a smart move for him um, because he was never going to apologise to Eric Ten Hag. And both of them, I think, were just... It was like two, two, two egos clashing. One, the two of them weren't backing down. And I think the best thing for him was to go back home, which he's he's mentioned, um, and he's um, and he's signing video that it, it's a club where he made his professional debut, um, and he did so well at, and and he got his big money move to Manchester United. So, as a six month loan with no option to buy, um, I think he can just go and enjoy play football, and he could play Champions League football, which he won't be doing this season at Manchester United if he stayed. Um, so he's got a chance to compete in the knockout stages against the biggest players. And from Manchester United's point of view, it's a chance for them to get his value up in terms of if they want to resell him. Because I think if they were to sell him now with an option to buy, I'm pretty sure it would be like £20 million, something like that, around that mark, because he hasn't kicked the ball. And his spell at Manchester United has been nothing short of shambolic in terms of his performances on the part and obviously... Um, his goal return and assist return that just not been to the level that he showed at Dortmund um, and if he goes back to Dortmund I think he'll, he'll hit the ground running and he's already done that and his first game off the bench he got an assist from Marco Royce which evidently was his last assist for Dortmund in the Bundesliga so that connection is still there and you can see he's back putting a smile on his face I think once he gets minutes um, I think he'll set the Bundesliga light and he could be, potentially be that difference maker for Dortmund to get back into Champions League positions in the title race because they're a, they're well short. Um and Edin Terzic was under severe pressure. And that's where they did bring in Nuri Sahin um uh, as a as an assistant coach as well to try and get performances better. And I think Jaden Sancho could be that difference. So I think in terms of your question, brilliant for Jaden Sancho, brilliant for Manchester United, increase their, their market value on Jaden Sancho and um, obviously brilliant for Dortmund because I think he's a difference maker for them in terms of competing for the Bundesliga. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I think it's um, a really good uh, sign for Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, just briefly also, uh, I agree, like, Jane Sancho and Eric Tenag were never, ever going to sort that out. Jane San- Eric Tenag was looking for an apology, and Jane Sancho was never going to give it to him. Um, so it was, it was quite, it's been quite obvious for quite a while now that Jane Sancho was going to leave. Uh, I was quite surprised that it was going to be British Dortmund. I never really expected um, you know, British Dortmund to come back in for him. I don't know why. Um, but, you know, he just seems to, you know, kind of belong at Dortmund. You know, like, it just, just seems to fit for him. You know, when he got announced last week, you know, he just, the, the smile on his face was really good. He said that he feels like he belongs there. Um, you know, he, he had such a good time um, in his first spell at Dortmund. And then, as you said, the fact that he got an assist his first match kind of just says it all. Um, because, you know, it's been quite a tough couple of years for Sancho at Man United. You know, he hasn't really kind of got going at Man United at all. Um, so a really good signing for, for Borussia Dortmund. You know, they are quite in a sticky spell at the moment. As you said, Eden Terzic was under a bit of pressure. Uh, you know, he had to get the kind of the the kind of dreaded vote of confidence from the board at Dortmund to say that he's still going to be the manager. Uh, so Jane Sancho would definitely help them in that. Uh, and I think British Dortmund will have quite a good second half of the season if they get Jane Sancho fit. Um, and, you know, firing again, because when he's fit and firing, you know, he's he's such an exciting player. So, uh, yeah, really good signing for Bristol Dortmund. And uh, I, I really see Sancho doing well the next six months. And another thing about um, well, Tom, is um, obviously the Euros is coming up in the summer as well. So the fact is that if he plays that's well, point, yeah. he, he can make his way into that England squad, which now seems really unlikely. That's a really good point, yeah. Um, you know, because if he does really well at Bush Dortmund, you know, if he starts getting goals and assists and playing every match, and he's definitely going to be right in the ideas of uh, Gareth Southgate in terms of getting into that England team uh, for the Euros. So no, that's a really good point to think about that. But um, it just makes sense for him. Uh, you know, come back to Dortmund, uh, he just seems to belong there. You know, it's it's such a really good move for him. Um, and then let's see what happens in summer with Man United. You know, Maybe if it, we might not see Eric Ten Hag next season in Man United, so Sancho might come back and uh, get back in that team and really start his Man United career, or it could go the other way, we don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, so we'll move on from that. And uh, for the final part of the show, Pierce will give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so obviously the uh, Asian Cup is now officially kicked off. Um, first match has been played. For both Japan and South Korea. So we'll start off with Japan first. So on Sunday the 14th of January, uh, Japan um hosted uh, Vietnam and they won 4-2. Um a double three uh Minamino, Kaito uh, Nakamura, and then a late goal by Ayese Ueda, uh, still victory. Um so Kaito Nakamura um scored the third and all important goal to put the uh, Japan in front just before the break. So that's now six goals in his last six caps for Kaito Nakamura. So he got a goal versus El Salvador, a double versus Turkey, a goal versus Canada, a goal versus Thailand, and now a goal versus Vietnam. So it's terrific form for the Stad Rhymes um, uh, winger slash forward. And I think he's been pivotal for uh, Japan, and I think he's undroppable at the moment. Uh, so Japan bounced back from an early scare to claim a 4-2 victory against Vietnam 
in the opening Asian Cup Group D clash on Sunday. Uh, a double for Takumi Minamino um, and a stunner from Kaito Nakamura restored the lead late in the first half after Vietnam stunned the four-time Asian Cup champions by going 2-1 in front. So Hayimi Moriyasu's number seven world number 17 ranked side dominated possession but showed their vulnerability to counter-attacks and set pieces against a 94th ranked Vietnam team managed by former Japan boss Felipe Trossier. Uh, who led the Samurai Blue to the 2000 Asian Cup title and the 2002 World Cup last 16. And um, so the second group stage match for Japan will be on uh, this Friday, the 19th of January, and they'll be away to Iraq. Um, so that's now first versus second in the group. So Iraq um, beat Indonesia 3-1 in their opening game. And also Japan just uh, beat Vietnam 4-2. So it's going to be... Uh, top of the table clash in terms of the group, and that's set for an eight thirty kickoff. So a very exciting match, um, and oh, you'll probably make Japan slight favourites for that match, but exciting nonetheless. So moving on to South Korea, um, so they played on Monday the fifteenth of January, um, so South Korea uh, beat Bahrain by three goals to one, Hwangin bomb with opener, um, and Hashash um pulled one back um just after the break. And then a double from Lee Kang In, who was a standout player in the game. Um, so Lee Kang In got two goals. He created three big chances, six dribbles completed, uh, three shots, 40 out of 43 passes completed, eight passes in the final third, and four ball recoveries. So he was all over the park. He was a main man. And considering you've got a uh, human song on the bit on this on the starting lineup as well, the fact is a young man at only uh, 22 years old um, just dominating and being the difference maker for South Korea in what was a pretty poor performance by uh, South Korea standards um, so South Korea passed the physical test from Bahrain to win their Asian, their Asian Cup Group E opener 3-1 thanks to Lee King in second half double at the Jassim Bin Hamed Stadium on Monday um, with the score at 1-1 after goals from Hwang Bomb in Bahrain's Abdullah Al-Hashash PSG's Lee turned on the style with two unreal strikes um, that had to had the South Korean fans screaming in delight. Yeah, so it was a, it was a match that was quite physical. Bahrain were quite physical in terms of the um, their challenges. Um, but yellow cards were handed out more frequently to the South Korean players, which could be um, detrimental later on in the tournament because they get yellow cards. So these are the yellow cards for both sides. So Kim Min Jae, Son Hyun Min, Cho Go Sung, they're the three main players. So it's a starting striker, your captain, and your starting centre back, as long as uh, Park Young Woo and Lee Ki Ji. But they're the three ones that could be vital because if they pick one more yellow card, then they could be um, suspended for the the next match. I think if they lose Kim Min Jae and Son, that'll be, um, un- it'll be unthinkable because... That just makes them so much weaker. Um, and Bahrain uh, get booked. It was Ali, Madan and Moses Jonah. So on Saturday the 20th of January, um, South Korea will play a second match and that will be away to Jordan, who themselves is another top of the table clash. So Jordan played Malaysia in the opening group stage game and um, they thumped Malaysia by four goals to nil. And obviously, South Korea beat Bahrain 3-1, so second versus third 
uh, first. So it's going to be an, another exciting clash. And um, it just shows you that the standard from all teams in this tournament is pretty high and uh, there'll be no easy games. And I think this one for Southgate will be probably the toughest test they'll face so far, even though Bahrain did cause them quite a lot of problems as well. So um, both exciting clashes in terms of Jordan versus South Korea and obviously Japan's uh, second match as well. So the 2024 K-League 1 fixtures have been released. The opening round matches are as follows. So um, the first match will be on Friday the 1st of March and it'll be Ulsan HD, formerly known as Ulsan Hyundai um, versus Pohang Steelers. So it's first versus second from last season. Um, and that will be a 2pm kickoff. So it'll be a uh, another um, tasty fixture to kick off the K-League 1 season and then later on uh, at 4.30 we have Jumbo Hyundai Motors versus Dejan Hana Citizen which is another good tie and then Sunday the 2nd of March Saturday the 2nd of March we have Guangzhou FC versus FC Seoul so Guangzhou FC um, Asian Champions League team this season surprise package from last year finishing third uh, against an FC Seoul side who struggled last year in the bottom half of the table um, that's also set for a 2pm kickoff, and then later on we've got two matches at 4.30 and that'll be Incheon United versus Seoul FC um, and Gangwon FC versus Jeju United so Seoul and Gangwon, both sides that are just avoided relegation narrowly uh, through the playoffs, so they'll be hoping for a better start to this uh, season than last year and then the final game is on Sunday, the 3rd of March and that is Daegu FC versus K-League 2 champions uh, and new boys Gim Chun Sangmu FC and that's set for 2pm kickoff. so that'll be interesting to see the new boys in action round off the K-League 1 season um, opening weekend perfectly against Daegu FC So Real Sochef have announced a summer uh, pre-season tour of Japan um, with details set to be decided as well as establishment of an academy in Japan um, Takefusa Kubo, uh, Japan star now at the Asian Cup, um, and obviously a standout player for um, Real Sociedad, um, has said in a video message that he wants to play against his old club FC Tokyo next summer. And I think every player, every person in Japan will be looking to uh, get tickets as soon as possible. And that is all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggy podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggy YouTube channel and also the Football Chuggy website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.